Hello and welcome to the Galactic Court Podcast. My name is Chef and I'm your host as each week I discuss the latest TV episodes, films, games and whatever else takes my fancy from the worlds of Star Wars, Marvel, DC and anything else nerdy and geeky in between. If this is the first time that you found us, then please do give us a follow on our social media pages. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and also Twitch, where I do, not always successfully, but I do try and game a couple of times a week. You can find all the links in the episode description, uh, and please make sure that you're giving the show a like, a follow, and a review on whichever platform it is that you listen or watch on. It really does mean the world to hear that you are liking and enjoying the show. Right now, we're going to get straight into the main event. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode. Um, I'm really sorry that there wasn't an episode last week. There was a multitude of failures on my end that um, that led to the episode not happening. I got my timings all wrong with my guests. Um, he was blessing waiting for me um, late, uh, late in the evening for him. It was the middle of the night for me and I got my shit all wrong and it ended up being far too uh, far too late unfortunately and and then there was a freaking storm so my internet went down and i just couldn't end up recording so um so sorry that there wasn't an episode last week so, but that does mean that this week we have a double feature episode review for you and of course we are still talking about star wars and ahsoka this has been a phenomenal series so far everyone's been talking about it you know talking about this is possibly the best Definitely probably up there is the best Star Wars TV series we've had so far. Is it some of the best Star Wars that we've had of all time? I think that's going to be a massive debate that's going to be had. Um, but I'm really excited that uh, the guest I've got with me today is my guest from last week. He's very graciously agreed to forgive me for all my fuck-ups and come back this week um, to to review episode six and seven of Soka. But please welcome to the show uh, the amazing, amazing features from the That Comic Podcasts. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello internet how are you how are you well thankfully my internet's all working this week um <laughs> and um and i didn't get my timings wrong so it's really good to have you on features thank you for coming back this i'm week. happy to be here man great to be back how are you doing what have you been up to lately oh man uh still podcasting that <laughs> It's going pretty good, uh, and and my work schedule has been crazy too. So I'm not going to let you take all the blame on that. It's <laughs> it's on me too. So <laughs> no worries, no worries. But we're here now. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. So because it it's, it has been amazing. Um, is it the best Star Wars of all time? Like show well, I, series? Yeah, that was probably a pretty bold statement to make. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, it's a bold statement. Is is it? Of the is modern the, era, of of the Disney era, of the Disney era, I would I would argue that it is of the Disney era. I would definitely argue that it is. Um, and you can debate whether it's it's between uh, Andor or uh, or Ahsoka, because I know a lot of people like Andor. Some people are iffy. For me, it was a slow burn, but I think it was the show itself was really good. I think Ahsoka kind of started off a little bit of the same slow burn, but man, did it pick up! 
and mm. it is just yeah, so so good. Because um, a lot of people have said that Andor and Ahsoka are the best of of modern day Star Wars anyway, but at opposite ends of the spectrum. So mm-hmm. Andor's covering you know the the plight of the everyday person in 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 the days of the Empire and what they have to go through and the oppression and what they have to fight through to get there. But right. it's more obviously grounded in more of the everyday, whereas Ahsoka's more of the the fantastical, more of the actual action adventure side that we forget sometimes that Star Wars is action adventure. Yes, um, and and that's you know the more fantastical, you know, the Jedi and the Sith, the Force, and all that sort of side of Star Wars. So, um, but I want to give you five Disney era shows or you know, things that have happened within the Star Wars universe. And I want you to tell me who you've got the ratings of these as a top five. Okay, so we've got obviously Andor, and we've got Ahsoka so far in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to throw Rogue One in there. Yes, um, I also want to throw the last four episodes of season seven of clone wars so the siege of mandalore those four episodes mm-hmm. and i want to throw as a, as a hole in there all of rebels because rebels to me is a bit like andor and the fact that it was a slow burner or even like the start of the original clone wars and the fact that season one of clone wars and season one of rebels are very similar that they start off slow they're not particularly great but once you get into the show more and more it gets better and better and more emotional and more you get more attached to it or i did anyway so and rebels was the first thing that uh, that disney did as star wars when they bought lucasfilm yeah. i think a lot of people forget that so we've got rebels the siege of mandalore from season seven clone wars rogue one and or ahsoka hit me okay so i'm not gonna lie to you i didn't i have not finished watching rebels i'm still damn another person i'm finding everyone that doesn't watch rebels at the moment well you know what it is you know what it is like like you said when you were breaking it down rebels is it's a slow burn and also mm. it's like it's really hard to like get into those characters in that for inside of that first season. And that can be a miss sometimes. Like, cause if there's mm. not enough happening uh, in the story or just visually to keep you locked into it. And you're just like, ah, this is, uh, I'll come <laughs> back to it. But I, but, I, oh, I, I want to find myself, uh, I do have to go back to rebels because I, the, the other talks is like, people who are commenting on Ahsoka saying, oh, this is just Rebel Season 5. And I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> well, yeah. Now I have to go back and watch Rebels now. Even though I, I, I you know, from, from other people that I know and friends that we talk talk Star Wars, I kind of know what happens, but I I still have to watch it because I, I want to get a better understanding of, of the, the Rebels characters than I do, than I have now. Um, but just off of the strength of Ahsoka, I would probably say if we're going to do a top five, I will put Rebels in the five slot. Fair, okay. I'll put them where, in the five where, slot. Where we hitting number four? Four. Hmm, four is probably what was it? What were the choices again? I, I know Andor so and Ahsoka. Those are probably going to be Ahsoka, top two, Andor, two. Rogue One, and the Siege of Mandalore episodes of Clone Wars season seven. So the last four episodes of the Clone Wars. Uh, okay. All right. So, all right. Last four episodes of Clone Wars, that'll go in the four slot. Only because, only because I have like, and I can't say it's because it's a TV show, but in comparison, because I did, man, I, I do love Clone Wars. <laughs> I didn't fall into Rebels as easily, but Clone Wars got me almost off the bat. But Rogue One, man, so good. 
and I mean the 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 Vader scene alone <laughs> is <laughs> it it just kind of it's hard to beat. You know what I mean? It so is, yeah. I I would I would have to put Clone Wars last four episodes of of I would put that in in the four slot. Rogue One is going in number three, and then whoo. And or Ahsoka. I'm going to put Ahsoka at number one. Personally, nice. I will put Ahsoka at number one. And, and again, it's only because Andor was a slow burn, and it doesn't pick up really until like he goes to jail, and then we get to the uh, the, the bank heist. And by that time, you're just like, oh man, this is incredible because <laughs> everything's happening. And it's, oh my goodness, I I love that. I love that about Andor. I do. I feel like I I find uh I find my watching experience different from most because I can definitely fall into the story without caring about the action as long as the story's good and if the action isn't good as long as the story's good I can sit and watch it but if if neither one are clicking I I, I might check out <laughs> so. I think that's fair though because you know sometimes the action can be amazing and it makes you not care so much about the story. Right. And then the reverse is good that if the, if the story's captivating and it really has you on tender hooks that you don't need a really good like action sequence or fight battle to really make it pop. Right. But then if, you know, if both of them are lackluster, it really affects it. But I think this is one of those shows that they've nailed every side of it for the time being anyway, yes. because it, it really does put it up there. I mean, like you said, I loved Andor and I've chatted about it a little bit in terms of, Really, like you say, I agree 100. percent It was such a slow burner, but all of a sudden the anticipation built, and that sort of thing of it was just week by week. I'm like, Shit, I actually can't. Like, you don't realize how much you want next week's episode to obviously start coming right. Along. And especially like you said, when you get to the prison stuff, that's where it really ramps up, and it is super emotional. Um, I was at Star Wars Celebration this year because it was in the UK, my first time I got to go to it, which was absolutely amazing. And they did awesome. the whole. Uh, one way out chanting because there were like a good 30, 40, 50 people dressed up as the prisoners. Wow. Um, and Andy Serkis himself was there and started the 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 one way out chant. And they and basically all these people dressed up went from the stage and came out into like the main area and ran the entire length of this of this arena, which is a pretty long corridor to get to the, <laughs> to the exit to be fair. Wow. And they just chanted the whole way down, one way out and just ran like the entire way. And so the impact that, that even those scenes have when you watch it. And then, obviously, the absolute killer bit, they, they all get to the edge, and he's like, I can't swim. And so <laughs> yeah. you're like, fuck. And then he's just left there, like, because Andor gets knocked out, and, and they just go on their way, and you're like, shit, what's happened to him? I need to know right. what's happened to Kino. <laughs> um, but, you know, the impact that that's had in terms of everyone, I think for a while we're saying we need to step away from the Jedi and Sith, because we've had that and pretty much everything, and need to see what's happening to the everyday person, which has led to the shows of... You know, Mandalorian. Okay, we've had a few you know, Jedi in there, but mm-hmm. you know, the Mando, Book of Boba Fett, and and Andor to see the more everyday life that's going on there. It's it really has kicked into a, a new side of Star Wars that we didn't think we'd have, but it's really had an emotional impact, I think, and left that with everyone. That how do you beat that? Because obviously, season two, we know that leads up to to Rogue One now, and obviously, yes. and we know the end of of Cassian's story there. So. It's what's amazing is that you can go back and write a story for someone who mm-hmm. we already know the ending. We right. know what happens to him and that he doesn't get to live on. 
Right. But the impact of, of his character from where he wasn't in a place where he was doing that for the rebellion and, and willing to sacrifice himself and getting there. Mm-hmm. If you can write a story like that that captivates people, knowing that this character dies already, then I think you know, they've got a winner there. I don't know how you feel about a similar type story. I, you know what? I I actually do not mind the story where you go back and trace the steps that got them to where we first seen them. I don't mind stories like that. As a matter of fact, uh, I was just I was talking with Minty, uh, who who was on the show mm. with us last time. I was talking with him about it, um, just about everything going on with Disney, Star Wars, Kathleen Kennedy, Favreau, and Baloney. Um, and we were talking about how how Kathleen Kennedy wants so much to deviate away from the Skywalkers and and all of the older or I'll say the OG. Uh, Star Wars characters. I'm like, but we don't even have all of those stories. Why would you want to leave that? This, that's it's almost the same as just leaving money on a table or on a sure bet. You know, <laughs> like yeah. And there's so many. And mind you, there. I I I now have to like I have to go back and find all of the legends material because again, so much story, mm. so many stories like. The, we don't we got we got Luke at the the beginning of his story arc, right? So we don't even we don't even understand what his rise to being grandmaster Luke Skywalker is. And I feel like us not getting that is a disservice to to the Star Wars timeline as well as I'll, I'll even say I think it's a disservice to George Lucas even though he might not care <laughs> as much. But cuz you know Again, Rogue One, we know Cassian dies, and then but we get Andor, and we're like, "Oh, this is great! This is phenomenal! Slow burn, but awesome!" Like I, I, by the time it was over, I was like, "I can't wait till season two. When are we getting it?" And it's not coming for a little while, so it's like, mm. but I'm still excited about it. the moment they say Andor season two, I'm all in, you know. But and I would feel the same way if they gave us a, a Luke Skywalker show or hell. Give me a Vader story. Oh yes, because how do. <laughs> many of those exist, right? Yeah. No one's, no one ever is not going to say, "I don't want to see Darth Vader." That's a waste of time. Give me something new. No one says that at all. Like he, he's the driving force behind everything we know that is Star Wars. He's the driving force because, yeah. like, it, who, what other character in in the Star Wars lore can galvanize people the way that Darth Vader does? Or any of the Skywalkers, for that matter. Yeah, you're not exactly wrong. So, I mean, <laughs> you can see from uh, from behind me over here, you know, from, from yeah, how much the figures, <laughs> it's, um, you know, he has an impact on people. <laughs> so, yes. um, I haven't got them up at the moment because I'm, I'm about to warm out them in the next few days over here so much. But I've got, you know, Anakin and Vader's lightsabers as well. So, um, you know, the impact that, that, you know, that character has. If you're going to do a Vader show, I'm not going to say no. And the people that say to me, you know, you've got an entire saga named after him. Um, you know, the Skywalker saga, it's all about him. Do you need a Vader show? And I'm like, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> like, we, we've, had, we've had some comics and, and a couple of novels that have filled in some gaps here and there mm-hmm. um, and show the, like, the brutality of Vader, should we say. Um, yes. But I'm like, I don't care. I want to see more. Like, give me more of those that that five minute scene at the end of Rogue One. Give me, give me some yeah. of that in, in, in actual live action. 
and what what makes what makes the Vader character so great too is that he oh, what am I trying to say? I just had it in my head too. I'm sorry. Um Vader himself is is such a such a a, a draw of a character and much like Luke, right? We don't have all of the Vader stories and for for the most part, I don't think many of the new newer Star Wars fans, and I'll, I'll put myself in that category as well. You know, I've I've been around for a little bit, but I don't think people really understand or know who Darth Vader is or what he became. Because as Anakin Skywalker, there was a lot of things going on with him that they don't even really explain. That you have to read the books and find the other stories about just to understand, like. Well, wait, this was going on, and this is why he wanted to do that. Oh, why didn't they say that in the movie? <laughs> it would have made it would have made more sense. He wouldn't have came off like a some kind of like a, a whiny child, and you would understand. <laughs> oh, there are certain factors at risk for him, which is why he's going to these lengths. It like he's he's such a a tragic yet uh uh. Semi sort of mysterious, only because of the way we were, we were. He was packaged to us mm. in the in the movies, um. But just such a character that 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 will pull people in, because you 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 have to be excited about Darth Vader. You, the the moment the all the music drops out of the, of the scene, and all you hear is, <sighs> yeah. Like you, yeah, like it, it, it makes the the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Like, oh my goodness, Vader's about to come on. He's about to wreak havoc on people, and and it's you, you want that, and it would, and I don't understand for the life of me why we can't have it. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that scene in Rogue One, um, back then, because it was what 2016 when it came out. Um, yeah. And back then, me and my best friend, we went to the midnight premiere every time a new Marvel or Star Wars film came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being there, at the, for, obviously for that for that Rogue One film, <laughs> and that last scene when, obviously they're in the corridor, you the lights will go dark, and you just hear the breathing. I immediately was sat up on the edge of my seat, and I'm like, some shit's about to go down, right? And then the minute that saber ignited and they started firing at him, I literally like jumped out of my seat cheering. And everyone's like, "You're cheering the death of rebels." I'm like, "Hell yeah! Yes, There's fucking Vader's behind it." <laughs> like, like that fight, like it's obviously, well, obviously, two or three minutes, whatever. It's absolutely brutal scene was to me was some of the best Vader stuff we've ever had. Obviously, it was in general, but, yes, you know, because it encapsulates everything that Vader had become, and and just seeing that in live action in a way that we hadn't, because he was, you know, from episode four onwards a bit different in terms of the things that he had to face because he has to go up against obi-wan who he's technically lost to twice before he's like everyone's like oh why don't were they doing all the flips and shit that they did in the original like in the episode three or in the kenobi series i'm like well this dude's lost twice to kenobi (laughs) so he's acting a bit more cautiously even if he's like you can sense kenobi's a bit older older and weaker he's like i still lost twice to this guy i'm gonna be a bit more cautious this time yeah and you know he has to meet his son in the next episode or reveal to him anyway, and then go up against him in the third, which ends up being his redemption. So he's like completely changed in there to where he was the previous 19 years after turning. And it's just like, <laughs> I just, yeah, I want to see him like maybe after the, um, the Kenobi series, yeah. like a, a year or two after that. And 
and just see him kicking ass because he's like, right, I'm done with all this. I'm not playing games. I'm just going to kill everyone and fucking do whatever. <laughs> right? Like, it, yeah. and it's crazy because as Anakin Skywalker, he's really he's a he's a good guy, good person, trying to do the right thing, but is met with so many so many hurdles and and, and trials in front of him that he is absolutely not ready for. And he's just trying to make the best possible decisions he can. And the person that probably should have been guiding him, you know, he got a lightsaber to the gut. Rest in peace, <laughs> Qui-Gon. Because that seems to be the only person that died from a lightsaber to the gut. <laughs> so, yeah, this is true. It's, it's such a shame. Because I've seen people get stabbed, like, numerous times in the same space. And they're like, uh, I'm, I'm okay. This is just, it's just a flesh wound. Meanwhile, seems there's a little <laughs> lightsaber pocket in every body that you can hit without dying, isn't there? So. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Qui-Gon Jinn is just like, eh, okay, I'll, he, I'll just rest he's here. He's that like Indian meme, that Indian guy, even he's just like, <laughs> yeah, just like looking on as a fourth ghost, like, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but one of these days, like... I'm going to I'm gonna do a Vader-specific episode and just talk Vader and Anakin the entire time, because um, I get sidetracked talking about it every time I'm talking I, Star I know, Wars. I'm sorry, but, but here's the thing, though. Vader is is kind of the link between all of these characters that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, obviously we had him in. Well, we had Anakin in episode five of Ahsoka. Yes, and and let let that lead us nicely then into episode <laughs> six. Yes, in terms of um, you know the show. I mean, before we jump into the two episodes itself, you know, up until episode five, then what have you been thinking about the show? We've already talked about. We think it's obviously fantastic. It's amazing. But what have been your own personal thoughts about? Episodes one to five. Uh, episodes one through five. Um, again, started off kind of slow, but I get it. There's there's some some things they want to address. There's got to be some exposition to kind of show you where the show was going, which you know that that part was cool. And then episode by episode, we get a little bit more, a little bit more. I I honestly want to say like right up when we get to episode five, because again. And we talked about this before, but uh, me, me and my guy, we went to the we went to the theater to check out episode five, and it, it probably was made to be seen as a theatrical release because man, we go in there, the episode comes on, I'm blown away almost from beginning to the end. Well, no, not almost. I am blown away from beginning to the end. Uh, even when, like, you get to when they bring the uh, what, what are they, pur- pur- purgles? I'm just going to call them the space wheels for right now to not to Purgles, not mess yeah. everything up. <laughs> yeah, but you see them on hit the screen. It's like they put some time and money into this mm. show. I'm excited to see what's going to happen next. Because by the time the by the time the episode's over, and you know they hop into the mouth of the Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Yes. He hops into the, the into the purgle and then travels at light speed. Even seeing seeing them kind of do their swimming mm. sw- what swimming through space at light speed. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I haven't seen that before outside of like, you know, maybe once or twice on Rebels. Haven't seen it before. And that's what I mean. Like, this is amazing in a sense of knowing what it looks like they've they definitely had a, a healthy budget for this show so you know there are some things that Filoni or I think I think Filoni is the one who wrote but what they're trying to do with it where they want to take it it's like okay this 
leaves me on my on the edge of my seat. I'm excited mm. because if I'm getting this much, and mind you, episode five, as great as it was, I'm not gonna pretend like a lot of things happened. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a lot of things, but there were things that that went on in the show where just, you just it, it had you. You were you had to be stuck in that moment, and it, like by the end of it, again, you're just looking like. <sighs> what is going to happen next episode because it looks like it looks like the 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 good guys are failing <laughs> <laughs> and and if we only we only get what eight or nine episodes right eight eight yeah so we're 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 slowly creeping up on this final episode and it's like ooh. usually first season you know good things happen but <laughs> and right now the only truly good thing that has happened is spoiler alert is the it's the finding of Ezra Bridger which is cool right uh and I, I will talk a little bit more about that moment in, in a moment but dude i mean i haven't been i don't want to say i haven't been excited to see star wars lore or or shows but I haven't been this excited in a very long time, very mm. long time. And I, I loved, I loved Kenobi. I'm, I was a fan of Boba Fett, even though it's not, it's not everybody's Boba, which I totally understand. Mandalorian was great. Season three, man, eh, shaky. But this Ahsoka has been, has been. I mean, we could argue eighty percent. You know, eighty percent good. I'm going to say personally 100% good <laughs> all throughout cuz I've, I've I've there hasn't been an episode where I've I've picked up my phone or I fell asleep there's been there, I forget which episode it was where I I went to watch it while tired and I woke up immediately as soon as it came on I was like yeah <laughs> can't go to sleep on this one so but yeah so far and this is just 1 through 5 amazing amazing Mm. And I'm, I'm all but sold on on season two. I just give it to me. Just, <laughs> you don't even have to worry about whether or not I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. Like well, those Tuesdays are taken. There is a debate whether we get a season two or whether they'll jump. Because I think we do get another season of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we get another season of Boba Fett, probably unlikely, I think, at this stage. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's this debate of whether we get another season of Ahsoka or whether they'll just jump into the next season of Mandalorian and then bring everything together for Dave Filoni's Mandoverse film, which is obviously <laughs> going to be wrapping up this entire storyline. I, I personally would like to see a season two because you want to see... I think we will get Thrawn appearances in season four of Rebels mm-hmm. because they tied everything together with obviously the, the bits at the end of Monday season three with the Imperial Remnant Council yes. coming together. So I think Thrawn is lining up to make appearances in Monday season four, even if it's not too many. Um, I would like to see another season of Ahsoka to then set up the film right. rather than bring it just jumping straight into it. So, you know, Bringing everything together like you know the Netflix Marvel's Defenders sort of thing, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> bring it all together at the, at the same point for everything. But yeah, we roll off the back of that episode five, which you know, epic. We get Anakin in there, and like you know Ahsoka coming out at the end of it is Ahsoka the White, as I think she's been called by plenty of people. <laughs> yeah. And um, and then yeah, roll into this bit where 
we're finally getting Thrawn. I mean, let's just cover the first bit of that episode six, where obviously you've got Hugh Yang, who to me has been an MVP of this series in terms mm-hmm. of, I didn't know this was the character I needed more of. He was great in the Clone Wars for the arc that he was in. Mm-hmm. And to get David Tennant voicing him again, he has been an unsung hero, I think, of this series in terms of a character we didn't know we needed. Yeah. Um, but obviously they're having that little chat just at the start where they're like, you know, Sabine was maybe destined to make the choice she did in terms of giving them the map mm-hmm. and going with them. And then it's just that whole thing of like, I don't know if you've seen that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where like someone says something there and he's just like, just sort of like whistles and points because it points <laughs> out something that we've all heard. And it just basically happens at that end bit, doesn't it? Where she's like, tell me one of those stories. And Yang's like, a long time ago in a galaxy, galaxy. far, far over. Yeah. And everyone's like, ah, got you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The moment um, he so said we- that, I was like, <gasps> yeah. I think we all I, 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 I definitely did point at the screen. That. Oh man, this show has been so good. Um, oh, let me. Can I ask you mm. what what was your reaction when the when we got Anakin on the screen? I mean, Anakin slash Vader, my favorite Star Wars character of all time, if not my favorite all time character of anything. Um, so I was super psyched. The fact that we <clears throat> got Episode Three Anakin back, um, yes, to to start with um, was was absolutely epic, and then. The, the crossover into Clone Wars Anakin, um, you know, for episode, you know, he was seeing as it was in his Clone Wars outfit with his haircut and yes, and everything like that. But then the the transitions they did of him with the flashes between Anakin and Vader, especially that bit where the the, the Siege of Mandalore bit where he's like, you've learnt nothing, and like kicks her back into the world between worlds, and yeah, you know, he, like everyone compares like he when he's walking forward and and they do that transition between Anakin and Vader, he sort of just that. Shoulder, shoulder shrug as if he's like ready to start kick some ass and yeah. everyone compares it to like the Henry Cavill when he's like locking and loading for the punches where he's like <laughs> and like getting ready to go everyone compares his shoulder shrug to like this is Anakin getting ready to go um <laughs> the whole thing is just completely epic to have him have him back there and you know I think a lot of people probably talked about it you know the hate he got as a kid or a young you know a young man doing mm-hmm. episodes two and three yeah and then the the love he had I mean again at Star Wars Celebration when he came out and the crowd just chanted for him nonstop for a good five minutes. Yeah. And you physically saw him tearing up at the reaction. It just shows that a bit of time and a bit of love and patience and and he's getting the love he deserves. And it was almost completing a circle. You know, okay, we saw him in Kenobi, obviously, as yeah. both Anakin and Vader. And then bringing him back to be with Ahsoka as well, so almost like completes that circle for him. And and his journey in Star Wars. And I couldn't have been happier to have him back because, like I said, he's pretty much my all-time favorite character. Um, I would just jump on anything that, that Hayden Christensen does as Anakin or Vader. So I was absolutely thrilled to have him in there. Um, it took me a little bit to absorb his performance in it as well because mm-hmm. then I have to sit back and think of it as a, as a proper Anakin context in terms of what did that character bring to this particular episode. Right, and I think I mentioned it before when I covered this episode. But have you read any of the novels called From a Certain Point of View? No, not yet. Um, uh, it's funny. So obviously, three now and now because they I cover hear obviously about the the three original trilogy films. You know, a lot of the stories are like just about side characters and background characters that bring a bit more context to the stories mm-hmm. around them. But in Return of the Jedi, uh, the it only came out recently. To be fair, I think at the start of um, September. But there's a little short story in there called Brotherhood. Now, this is done by the same guy, Michael Shin, who recently did a novel called uh, Brotherhood that was based on Anakin and Kenobi at the start of the Clone Wars. So this is him doing now a short story for this book. And it basically covers um, 
Vader slash Anakin as he dies in episode six and as he goes into the Force and how he becomes part of the cosmic Force and a Force ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, this came out the week before episode five, I think. So you read there in the fact that he connects with Kenobi in the Force and they talk to each other about his failings, about uh, the things that he did well and that he did good with in his life and the things that he did badly. And he has to own all those separate things. But at the same point, now he's passing into the cosmic force. He has to let go of those things and just let Luke and Leia handle themselves. And he can't worry about them anymore. And he just has to let it all go. And to me, that actually speaks a lot into his performance in, in episode five as well, where he's trying to teach Ahsoka a lesson and where he becomes sort of like Vader in this episode and he's got his red lightsaber and he's getting all angry and, and you know, Sith eyed up with Ahsoka. And then that moment where she's like, you know, taking his saber off him and throws it away. And she's like, I choose to live. And he stands back and he's, he calms himself and turns back into like, you know, normal Anakin with the, you know, his normal eyes and a smile on his face. And that's, to me, that was cosmic force Anakin knowing the difference between trying to teach a lesson and letting go of the things that he can no longer control or that he has hate for. And, right. and being balanced within himself it, so if you haven't read that short story I've mentioned it a couple of times to be fair because it is an epic <laughs> little short story but it, to me it ties in really well with the Anakin we got in that episode and the performance that was given by Hayden for it um, which to me just obviously deepens the understanding of, of the character and, and what he went through plus you get to obviously find out what happened to Anakin Kenobi in the force after all that Yeah. so it was an epic moment and yeah I absolutely loved him to be fair oh man yeah, I I would say uh, to your point, especially with the shoulder shrug, I, I I said to one of my friends, I said Hayden Hayden Christensen has to be the most menacing person with a lightsaber I've ever seen <laughs> in real life, like because that that shrug, like okay, Henry Cavill with the punches, <laughs> like doing it's that's pretty it it's it's an intense look, and it was funny because the first one I was oh he about to he about to wail on somebody. But every time I see Hayden Christensen do it, it's just like I feel like no one can beat him. <laughs> if that, if he yeah. looks, if, it doesn't look like this is acting anymore. It's just like, all right, we about to fight, and you're gonna lose. Yeah. That's that's how it goes. <laughs> like, yeah. It, 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 and if you if you've seen any of the any of the the training montages with him and and showing you like the light, especially the 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 lightsaber battle mm-hmm. on Mustafar, man. I don't know if he if he's really a Jedi Knight, like in <laughs> real life or not. But this guy, I would I would hate to be in front of him with a sword. Yeah, like, but it's not like any of the things he does are faked with the lightsaber either. In terms of like the twelves, the the fast paced action. I mean, so right, that's yeah. all him. And yeah. out of everybody that's filmed in Star Wars, I think he might be the only one that's really really gotten into the lightsaber battles and all those that training. Well, I think Rosario Dawson was saying that, you know, on set he was fantastic because he's been doing this for a long time in terms of, you know, dating back to the the, the early 2000s with doing all the lightsaber stuff. And so he was giving tips to people on set, to the to the stunt guys, to the other actors about how to act with a lightsaber in your hand and how to do certain things. And it's just the fact that, you know, behind the scenes he's bringing that out and, and teaching the people, newer people working on Star Wars that, hey, this is an art form that you've got to really nail and, and stuff like that and passing that knowledge on. So it speaks a lot to him as a person, yeah. let alone, obviously, the, you know, the the character that he plays that we all love, but just the man himself of, of what he brings to that character and the fact that, like you said, you know, 
once he zones in and, and, and puts that character face on, and he's like, I'm going to fucking kick your ass right now. And he's like, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, but he's he's been great. And uh, I think in, in during that whole sequence with Ahsoka going in, into the world between worlds, him, I, I, I think I almost fell out my seat when they show him walking away. And then, like you said, the flashes between him being Anakin and Invader mm. was, it was so well done. It was so well done that if had, if they had if the episode had, had stopped right there, I probably still would have been okay with it because I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> next episode is going to be amazing. He's going to be Vader. I I would have I would have lost my everything had I not been in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> but it it was well, it, it was amazing, and that was man. Yeah, get, this show, this show. I don't. I don't know what they do afterwards to top this. I do hope there's a, a season four Amanda, which I'm pretty sure we'll get. I would absolutely love a second Boba Fett season as long mm. as they do it right, which I think without without all the 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 struggles and things that they've been dealing with internally, if that ceases, we just may. Um, outside of that, yeah, let let Ahsoka be, let Ahsoka be the jump off point for any of the new lore for Star Wars. I think that's how it should be, right? Mm. But again, falling back to the Skywalkers, you don't even get Ahsoka without the Skywalker mm. saga. So it's, again, I don't know who we got to talk to at Disney, <laughs> Kathleen or somebody. Give us the Skywalker yeah. stories. Give it to us, because because again, we already have a great point where we where we know we can go almost anywhere. We've just just extended the Star Wars universe into an entire new galaxy of things we don't even know are there yet unexplained. Like a current, like anything can happen. Anything can happen, and I'm 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 here for it. Like yeah. give it to me. It's funny because uh, Minty will always say. If you ever have a problem with Star Wars, the fix for it is more Star Wars. And <laughs> I'm slowly but surely seeing that that is true. Just give me more Star Wars because it it eventually explains everything that you don't understand. Yeah, I do like that. That's that. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it. To be fair, <laughs> so let's let's get into episode six then. So <laughs> yeah. we had that start as we mentioned, and then you know we um. We get back onto the Eye of Scion and, you know, they're arriving at their destination. And we get this interaction with the, the three great mothers, you know, the on the original homeworld of uh, what they're called, they call the Dathomiri, aren't they? The Dathomiri yes. Night Sisters. The Night Sisters, um, yeah. And which I, it took me a week or so to find out, but sort of like the main one of the three, um, the actress is is Claudia Black, who most famous for being in um, Farscape and Stargate SG-1. Oh, wow. Um and she's been in a few other bits and pieces as well, but you know, the fact that you, obviously you're not going to recognize her because she's in a great red dress and, and face makeup, but I was just went, Oh, okay. That's who it is. I hadn't seen her for a while. I wonder what she was doing to be fair, yeah. but she was there. And you know, the fact that we then obviously go on to what we've been waiting for, for a lot of this series, which was the appearance of Thrawn. Yes. Um, a very dramatic entrance. You know, we get the, the, the chimera, his, his Imperial starship. Mm-hmm. Who, all fixed up from what happened at the end of Rebels when it was taken away by the Pergo in the first place, all the damage was done, mm-hmm. and all the speculation going on with his obviously troopers that have 
were labelled in the subtitles as night troopers. Right. But, you know, their armor's been fixed up with gold. Um, they've got all of this red tape around them, um, or, or red cloth. And obviously the, uh, the, the captain in charge of his guard, Enoch, with his almost Romanesque or like um, samurai-type gold mask in yeah. his Stormtrooper helmet. And obviously we've got Lars Mukerson returning to play Thrawn. He voiced him in Rebels. He was the character I was most excited about coming into live action because you get that same voice, yes. which was so penetrating in Rebels and so on the nose that if you hadn't been the same voice, I think I would have been really upset. Um, I can accept a lot of the characters not having the same voice from Rebels to live action because you mm -hmm. have different people playing them. But to me, Thrawn was the one that was so distinctive that if it wasn't the same, it was not going to be right. Um, see, and he walks on, and his first line's pretty chilling as well. Um, I can't remember it word for word, but it was like, you know, everything that they they feared would happen is about to come true for our enemies. <laughs> right. And he's like, shit, he's already on us already. Um, <laughs> yeah, what were your, your reaction when we finally got thrown on scene in this episode? Uh, okay. So when the Camara pulls up, right, they're, they're all in that that huge platform mm. shifting in the sky and then the Camara pulls up slowly ever very very in 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 extreme dramatic fashion you know music is playing you're like oh okay <laughs> it's it, it's about to happen and then they get there ship comes down they go up stormtroopers come out you see them you're like whoa this is different these aren't your everyday stormtroopers and then Throwing, throwing, throwing. Yeah. I could have. I think that part. I will say that part. I feel like. I don't think they needed to call his name so much. However, that they did it. I guess my only thing about it was I wish it was like a, a little bit louder. Mm. It didn't feel like their their chance didn't feel as commanding as like <laughs> yo y'all better pay attention. The man is coming through, but. But even him walking down and walking up, you go like, "Yep, this is Thrawn. It's 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 really about to go down." How does the rest of this show play out? And and seeing him live action, hearing the voice, it's all the things that you want. And I think even with that entrance from the ship coming in to him walking up to greeting the Night Sisters and everybody else coming to the ship, it gave you a sense of how dangerous this man is going to be. Mm. Not is, is going to be. Because right now, he's like, you found me. Now I can go home. <laughs> and I feel like once he gets, once he gets back into like I, I don't want to say normal galaxy, but when he gets back, it's it it there might be hell to pay for for all the rebels in the new the new uh the new republic mm. because they are I mean it's 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 almost like a repeat because they're looking at it like oh this everything's fine the republic is blooming there's no <laughs> empire and then you know it's always the handful of people like no I'm telling you. This guy's coming back. We hear the whispers. I followed them, and then I followed them, and I see the guy. And they're like, "No, no, we're good." So it's it's that same unpreparedness that the Jedi's had when when Palpatine took over. So it's Thrawn's Thrawn is 
Thrawn's advantage is that they don't believe he's he's still alive. So that that the whole surprise, the surprise advantage he has is going to work so well in his favor, and that they're so not ready for this. And I don't even know if if Ahsoka or Sabine or Ezra can even get back, not <laughs> get back in time if they can get back. Because mind you, they're a whole galaxy galaxies yeah. away. They're and he, he far far away, right? And he he <laughs> has a he has a a a, a warp ship that he can use. Yeah. He, he has the coordinates now. It's he's good, but they're not. That's yeah. the only problem. So I, I think what would have to happen in that that sense is you know Ahsoka somehow charming another Purgle <laughs> to to hitch a ride back. Otherwise, it's it's it might be a, a little bit of a tragic 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 story for them but mm. um thrawn thrawn's entrance amazing um again you get that sense of this is a threat uh and not just a threat it's a promise of a return of times that you you know that the republic were trying to escape from mm. yeah uh, because the other thing I get from him more than I've I've gotten from Palpatine because Palpatine was more of a behind the scenes and everything's done in secret, so you don't even know all of his plans as as things are happening. They're just happening, and then you hear you find out later. But with Thrawn, it's like, no, I I know he's up to something, and what he's up to is I I think if he succeeds, I don't know how they can stop him because you think about the state of things now. There is no like, there is no Jedi Order. There mm. are there are random people who are who are either skilled in the Force or were Jedi's, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> no, we're not trying to die anymore. There's still Inquisitors looking for us. It's it's a whole to do thing for this, and again, I'm I'm excited to see where this story is going to go, dealing with Thrawn, or even what the impact is going to be having having Ezra back as well because I like what what does he do what does it how do they fix this yeah you know? but he's so menacing Thrawn like again it's just to me it comes back to how the voice does it all it's just <laughs> how the voice portrays it all because you got that moment when you know him and Sabine are talking mm-hmm. um and she's always trying to be a bit slick with her comebacks and he's just like cool and calculating yep and she's just like, just tell me where Ezra is. And he's like, ah, yes, your search for your form, for your friend. And he's just like, it just delivers this cool line. I think it was them. He's like, how that singular focus will reshape the course of the galaxy. He's like, by your your will to want to find your friend led to you to give us the map, which led the ship here, which is going to free me and take me back to my own galaxy sort of right. thing. You know, it's just how calculating Cordy is in the face of someone trying to be like, I mean, Sabine to me has been not the greatest character in the series. I've not particularly enjoyed her That's from fair. where she was in Rebels to where she is here. She's been a whiny little bitch to be a <laughs> um, And she's like 30 odd years old and still making decisions like she's a 17 year old teenager Mandalorian. I know Mandalorian's yeah. a hot headed in general or make rash decisions, but fuck me, she's been terrible <laughs> in the decision making <laughs> process. Um, but, you know, she's sent off to go and, to go and find Ezra. Um, some people are calling her fight scene with the um, the Raiders one of the best fight scenes in the series. I thought it was 
an okay fight scene. It shows off obviously the best guard doing its job again in deflecting shots, and yeah, she can only really gets to defeat them when she whips out a lightsaber, which even another galaxy seems to be able to slice everything apart. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I what I actually enjoyed about this was the end of this sort of fight scene where the howler that she's been riding sort of comes back because you think when you, <laughs> she first goes to sit on it, there's this like fearsome beast because he's like, rrr, rrr. yeah, and then he runs off and he comes back with his like tail between his legs, like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, she's like, you, you abandoned me. Go away. <laughs> and he sort of right. like goes off the one way and then just quickly runs back after her. And she's like, fine, okay. Yeah. Um, and he turns out that they're just cute little dogs in this universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. You know, obviously, you know, it always brings a bit of like comedy to it. But um, what was interesting again in this episode, though, is what we get between Bale and Skull and Shin Hattie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, and it turns out that Balan's purpose for wanting to join with Morgan Ellsworth to find Thrawn is his motivations are different to what we thought. He thought he was just seeking power or just to be alongside powerful people as mm. as their mercenary, so to speak. But you know, he tells Shin in here that the there's, there's something about this. They, he was told something in, in the stories of old in the Jedi yeah. Order about things in this galaxy, about a power that was here on, on this particular planet, mm-hmm. and how you know he w- wants to find it because it's going to reshape the entire order of things. Because he says, you know, this little great analogy has that things like the Empire and the Republic and the Jedi Order, they come and go and they repeat themselves over and over again mm-hmm. throughout the course of history, which is probably true, to be fair. Um, and then he's like, this, you know, this power here has the ability to reshape everything and, and make it different. Right. So obviously there's going to be a lot of speculation to what this particular power is. I've got my own theories. Um, but in terms of like every time Balin Skull's on screen, he's so captivating. Yeah. Everything, you know, he's RIP Ray Stevenson. It's going to be such a shame we're not going to get any more of him because he's played this character so well. And, and the way that Shin Hattie plays off him as well in terms of she's got this obvious you know, high respect for in the way that she looks up to him and she's the actress herself has got the most expressive eyes in the world yes in terms of just how she's looking at him and absorbing things and the little chats that they have but what did you think to not only obviously the scenes that they had in this particular episode but this whole thing about there being a bigger power that potentially the the night sisters and thrawn want to also get away from so the <laughs> the rumors or what what some some rumors that I've heard what this power might be is even more interesting um because they're saying like it's it for Balin it wasn't necessarily like the night sisters calling to him but the the rumors that 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 this this power that he's that he's feeling that's that's calling out to him it it could be Abeloth. Hmm, I've heard that yeah yeah if it is kind of amazing but then it also plays into people also believing that that anakin this version of anakin that we saw is now the the uh it's the, the he's he's the embodiment of the force like the mm. the actual balance yeah so you know how like in, in in clone wars there was the father and the son and the, the, the mortis gods yeah mm. yes so they're, they're saying that that anakin might be the 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 actual the father in this this yeah. instance, which you know if if that's the case, I think I'm okay with that. You know, I think I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I also really am kind of curious to see what what it is that's actually calling Balin because he he's 
he's a dark Jedi that we know of. But his behavior doesn't feel dark. You know? Yeah. It doesn't feel dark. It feels like kind of like a mercenary, but at the same time, I don't think he's accepted any payment. He's just like, you know, there's I was I want to go there. If you guys can get me there, let's do it. But I and and I love his sense of he still has a uh he still has a moral compass. Cuz like yeah. there there were times where like you know, had prime example, had this had been Vader instead of Bale and Skull, that scene where uh Sabine gives him the map, Vader would have just killed her. There there would have been <laughs> yeah. there wouldn't have been any talking. It, it would have been Force grab, give me that slice. All right, now we out of here. But with with Bale and Skull, it was more so like, listen, just give me that. You can come with me. You can find Ezra, and we're good. We don't have to do nothing else after that part. I'm I'm not here for you. You're not really here for me. We can go about our separate ways, and it, that feels like. A Jedi, not a dark Jedi, but just mm. a Jedi. Like he's like, all right, this works out for all parties. Let's do this. He doesn't. He doesn't feel dark. Outside of the fact that, you know, I don't think he'll hesitate to kill anybody if need be. But if it's if it doesn't fit the cause, then yeah. he just won't do it. And I, I I like that about him. I like that about him. It, and it, yeah, it, it is going to be a shame that we we're not going to get more of this character past beyond the season. Because he's he's very interesting, and I would like to know more about him, and I just don't think we're going to get that at this point. I mean, yeah, maybe they do some like prequel comics, maybe to this series of of the character. That's the way to fill in some gaps, but it's going to be a shame. I want to throw my theories out for you, okay, and um, and see see what you think. Um, depends this one because it's one from Rebels. How much you know? Do you know much of Bendu from Rebels? Bendu the character mm-hmm. so this was like a creature that they met on a planet who is basically an embodiment of the middle of the force so he's neither light nor dark he doesn't side with the the dark side or the light side of the force he embodies all of the force oh wow um he helps teach Kane and Jarrus to after he gets blinded um to to be able to look at things in a different way and to reach out through the force to see things around him he also at, you know, at the end of season three Kanan Jarrus pisses him off when Thrawn <laughs> is attacking his the base, and he just goes after all of them, rebels and Empire alike, and he's the one that actually predicts Thrawn's downfall and defeat at the end of Rebels that led to them being taken off to this galaxy. So there is a theory that this is another type of Bendu, something that embodies all of the Force because they're super powerful beings, um, and they have the ability to... to do things and shape things to, in their own world. They don't, like I said, they don't take a side. They just do what the force tells them to do. Right. And maybe ba- this means that Baden Skull has a role to play through the force. Because what I like about, if we're just going to touch on Rogue One again quickly, is what I liked about Rogue One is without it being about the Jedi or the Sith, there was a very much um, a theme running through it about the force and the force getting everyone to do what the force needs it to do to mm-hmm. play their role in in getting those Death Star plans. So. Yeah, you know, they're always saying, "May the force be with you," and um, and they had the she has the kyber crystal around her neck. For some reason, the character's name's gone out of my head, but you know, the main character, um, and they're always talking about you know, believe in the force, and and it will guide you through. And 
And so therefore the force is always getting them to do exactly what needs to be done to get them to the next place to win the battle. Right. And I was thinking, you know, if, if eventually they're going to defeat Thrawn, then the force needs them to do something. So he's calling out to someone who is a former Jedi who still has honor and is still mm-hmm. bound by, by good in him. And it's going to somehow use him. And possibly this is the way we see the character being able to leave without being in such a bad way is the fact that this type of Bendu or this, you know, middle of the force type creature mm-hmm. inhabits or possesses Balin mm. and then uses him to go back to the other galaxy and is you know, using the force to then fight Thrawn. Bit of an out there theory, but it was something that was fascinating because if they're bringing a lot of rebels into this show, why not have something like you know, the Bendu? Um, the other theory is that this is a pretty wild one. Did you play the Jedi Fallen Order game? Uh, did I? Uh, I didn't play Fallen Order. I played. Uh... Did you play the newer one, Survivor? Yes. Okay. Yes. I haven't finished it yet, but I played well, it. Yes. <laughs> in Jedi Fallen Order, um, there's a race called the Zepho, which were four sensitive beings that mm-hmm. something arranged for quite a bit of time in the in the galaxy beforehand. Um, but there was he came across this tomb of one on Dathomir mm-hmm. um, called Kujet. It was apparently very powerful sage, very strong with the dark side of the force and dark rituals. And when they're on this planet in this episode of Peridia, there's an inscription on a wall behind one of them that talks about Kujet and how he's the, the lord or the force over everything. And in some of the lore, he was actually on this planet, I think um in in previous centuries or something like that so there's a th- theory that you know because he's now linked to the night sisters in terms of he had a tomb um on dathomir um where he had a certain weapon that cal Kestis was after mm-hmm. he can then be linked to this particular planet as he's been linked to with the inscription on the wall in this episode and that he's the power that's calling out to balen um and therefore balen's going to unleash what he thinks is a powerful force that will reshape the galaxy but it's actually going to be pretty fucking bad yeah. and all the all like Thrawn Ezra Ahsoka they're all going to have to band together in the final episode to defeat this power and escape together to get back to the Star Wars galaxy <laughs> if you don't know obviously much about Fallen Order and you don't know of that because it is pretty a pretty obscure reference to be fair um, but the fact that it's linked in with the Night Sisters because it's on Dathomir and he's been on this planet before it kind of links into a nice little potential tie together yeah I mean, now we're we're talking about the things that are that that really make this show great, right? Because it's it's an expansion of what we of things that we know or have ideas of, like getting even putting the Night Sisters in. Now we're starting to deal like not less with the Force, but more Force driven things. Now we're getting into Force magic, Dark Force magic. And how that's going to work, like and even with 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 Thrawn's troopers, um, we have people people are trying to figure out whether or not they're they're like zombie <laughs> zombie stormtroopers or not. But and I'm I think that might have stemmed from the fact that uh, Merrick, once he was disposed of, he kind of yeah. just turned to dust and faded away, and was like, "What's happening here? Like, was he even a real person?" So and then I think I think. Trying to remember if that happened to one of the it hasn't because we haven't seen him die yet. But uh, that's that's the idea that now Thrawn has these these troopers that are were uh, brought back from the dead from the mm. from the land of 
for Dead from by the Night Sisters, which that's within their realm of things to do, you know. So, um, just having all of these new uh, new ideas. Ideas and, and, and origins and, and characters and people to play with, I think, is is really what's the driving force of what makes this show even more amazing. Mm. Because, it, like, aside from, I want to say, aside from Andor, right? How much, how much, like, uh, talking or rumor, like rumor mill has 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 happened from from the last couple Star Wars shows, mm. like. I don't think to this scale because it's, it can, it, you can go in so many directions as of right now with it's okay. Yeah, absolutely true. To be fair. <clears throat> I mean, take my own predictions with a pinch of salt because they usually turn out to be fucking awful and, and so far off. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> no. but, um, but yeah, in terms of, I think that's what makes part of it great as well is that week by week, we then get to sit here and we get to speculate about what's going to happen. And, you know, I chat to my friends at work about it all the time. Or I get asked a lot of questions, I think is the more accurate description. <laughs> like, Andy, do you know what's happening with this? Uh, is, is, the, is the local <laughs> nerd, do you know what's going on? Um, and you're like, well, let me see. <laughs> yeah, I have to explain a lot of law to them all about, about things that have gone on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, I think yeah, it's it's what the show's up great because to be fair, when we saw Anakin pop up at the end of episode four, mm-hmm. before we got everything that happened in episode five, did anyone actually predict what we got in episode five? Apart from you know maybe saying Clone War flashbacks, which nah. is a general thing, you know. But did it, this is what I mean is like we went away from that episode going, what's going to happen next week with Anakin? You know, is it really Anakin? Is it the sun? Is it this? Is it that? Is it you know all these things? Is what's what makes the show great week by week. And it's what I prefer over something like Netflix that drops all of its episodes at once, for right. the most part. Right. You know, you you get the you get the, the, the rush then to have to watch all the episodes to then be able to discuss it with everyone and you know, a month later the hype's gone. Right. And and it's over and done with. Whereas this week by week we're getting to review the episodes, we're getting to chat about everything and speculate and and that's part of what makes it great. So yeah, you're absolutely spot on with that to be fair. Um, but then we we do get a reveal in this episode of you know that they're transporting these what look like caskets to me onto the <laughs> ship, yeah, um, to to escape. You know, again, we can speculate a lot about what what are in these. What's this cargo they're transporting? The the heavy favorite money seems to be that these are potentially either night sisters put into stasis or dead night sisters. They're just transporting back to reanimate them when they get back back over there. Mm-hmm. Are you agreeing with this? Have you got any theories on them? So I'm I'm currently reading the Heir to the Empire, listening to the Heir to the Empire audiobooks. Um, my theory is that what they're transporting is I think is definitely people. Not sure whether it's more Night Sisters or more Troopers. Um, but definitely bringing them up to be either reanimated or just having uh having the the their DNA so that they can clone more. Because uh I think a lot of a lot of what we're seeing now, if we, we go back to Andor where they were talking about cloning and that was like a major thing and even when we get into uh the last season of The Mandalorian dealing with uh Moff Gideon mm. and his clones. So I feel like 
we're going to get more clones. It's not going to be to the to the extent of of you know the Django Fett clones, the those the clone troopers. But I think we're going to get more clones. I also am under the suspicion that uh, if if you've read the the Heir to the Empire books, the this Katana fleet of yeah. ships. I definitely think Thrawn might be going for that. I don't know how they're going to show that yeah. on TV. Yeah. Uh, because apparently this is supposed to be a huge fleet. And the way it's designed, it seems it's perfect for Thrawn in the way he runs the show. Um, so I think I think we might be getting that. Um, hmm. Interesting. Because it, it, but here's, here's the other part of this. It's hard to 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 tell that story, right? And not have Luke Skywalker in it because he's around <laughs> for all of this. Yeah, he's around yeah. for all of it, and I'm just like, I we we, we gotta have the Skywalker saga does not end at uh at Return of the Jedi or yeah, Return of the Jedi. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. We we don't. I want to see Luke rebuilding the Jedi temples and 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 the Order itself. Like I need to see those things. I want to see what happened before we got uh, Force Awakens. Because mm-hmm. these, like, even with Ahsoka, even with the Ahsoka show happening, all these, all these episodes and shows are are happening years in between, and we're dealing with space. So, and I, I don't even know how to tell time out in space. So <laughs> there's, there's so much there that can be, so many stories that can be told, and it, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even care to keep it in time order just give me the shows <laughs> you know yeah then i'll just take the shows <laughs> but yeah that's that's my theory i think i think yes. i think we get the the katana fleet because he Thrawn needs it because he's still he's still in 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 the rebuild mode for what his empire is supposed to look like mm. um nice. but i don't i don't think that happens until he gets back so i i do believe he he gets back um I, I don't know what's going to happen with Ahsoka, Ezra, yeah. and Sabine, honestly. But do we get a season two? Hopefully. Does it become a movie, maybe? I don't know. That might be even better. Well, <laughs> we, are, we are getting that Dave Filoni Mandoverse film that wraps up the whole storyline. So you know, it's just whether we get that season two before that date, isn't yeah. it? So, um, But then next in this episode, I mean, probably the last major talking point of here is you know, the Finally, the reveal of Ezra as well. So we we got Thrawn at the start of the episode. We get Ezra at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, underwhelming reveal. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Ezra, obviously it's not going to, again, really have much of an impact for them. Mm-hmm. For those of us that do know him and, and know him well, it's, it's so underwhelming because he just pops up in the background like, oh, yeah. I knew I could count on you. And it's just like, really? That's that's the big introduction we got? Like, <laughs> okay, you maybe don't always need a big dramatic introduction of a character, but I felt like this warranted the build-up to, to the whole point of you know, half of them wanting to go to this galaxy was to get Ezra in the first place. So it would have been nice to have a, a, a bigger reveal. And everyone's saying that Kenobi in episode two is what is what Space Jesus looks like. <laughs> I think we've just found what the new Space Jesus looks like, really, don't we? Um, <laughs> But they did a really good job of how Ezra looked, I think, for you know, for for it being about ten years after the end. So he's in his late twenties at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, someone did a side by side comparison of what his father looked like in Rebels to what he looks like in the show, and they're almost exact. 
Um, so they've done a really good job. If you ever get a chance to Google it, just Google what his father looked like in Rebels and what Ezra looks like in this show, and they're very, very similar. So they've done a really good job. Um, <laughs> but what were your thoughts on on you know, finally getting to see Ezra in this episode? Okay, so I agree. His his appearance was was very underwhelming, and I I think that it was only like that because we got thrown. It was grand. It's grand entrance, right? And I thought we weren't going to get thrown to the end of the episode. But as it, as I realized we had more time left, I was like, and I said to myself, I was like, no, they're not going to give us two cameos in one episode. That's going to be too much. <laughs> it's it's way too much. And then when we got Ezra, then I was like, ah, I felt like this was coming. I think that's the only part that's it's probably the only part of the episode that not that I didn't like it, but it, it, it felt almost like paint by numbers. Like they just were like, Well, we got thrown, but we got time left, so how do we end this episode? <laughs> uh let's just throw Ezra in. Cause I don't I don't I don't think Ezra has been the draw this entire time. It's always mm. been thrown. Yeah. Always. So, you know, kind of shuffling Ezra in at the end it's okay it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt anything but at the same time you go like I feel like it probably should have been it should have been a little bit more I think but, but again I, I haven't watched all of Rebels so I, I would I, if, if you as a Rebels fan do you, you do you believe like it should have been like a, a little bit bigger than that just like instead of I knew you'd find me you how you doing, Sabine? You know, just... <laughs> that's some good impressions. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt it needed to be bigger a little bit after all this build up to to him and you know, the whole mystery of where do they went at the end of Rebels and yeah, and just literally this whole build up to it. It, it felt like it deserved more. I almost thought that when they when she's looking round and they pan round, yeah, her face to over her shoulder, you just see him in the background. Mm-hmm. Before he said anything, I thought they were just going to end the episode there. Right. That would have been like a little cliffhanger, ready to start fresh in the next episode. And I thought that maybe would have been a better way to do it. So you see him there, you know that she's found him. Yeah. Um, but you, yeah, but you don't need to have that sort of little conversation that they have. Right. Um. So, yeah, to me it was a bit underwhelming. They needed to do a little bit better with that one. But at the same point, at least we've got to Ezra now. Um, yeah. I was starting to worry, you know, five episodes in that we weren't going to see them until maybe the last episode, and that would have really pissed me off. Both Thrawn and Ezra. Right. Um, well, <clears throat> so good to get them a little bit earlier, so we do get a little bit into it. Um, well, really quick, let me ask you. Right before we got Ezra, when when Thrawn sees her off, he goes, "You know, there's a good chance he didn't survive, and you're just yeah. going to be out there. I'm going to leave you, and then you'll be stuck." If you're okay with that, you because I'm okay with that. And I was like, huh, what if he isn't there? <laughs> because you, you, it, it, him being on that planet kind of was like, oh, he, okay, cool. Because Thrawn's been on his ship this entire time. That doesn't necessarily mean he was on that particular <clears throat> planet. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and so for it to just happen upon Ezra was like, okay, all right, this. This works. I guess we can all assume that he was here. We don't, because even Throne was like, you know, if he is, if he survived, cool. You, you, you're good. You can go find him if you want. 
But again, I I think the only thing they maybe messed up with this was the fact that they you know, they say to her, "We'll give you the latest intel on where we think Bridges' whereabouts are as well." And let's be fair; he gets found by Sabine pretty easily. Yeah. Um. And but they don't seem to know where he is. They got an estimate of his whereabouts, but they don't seem to know where he is, and to the point where they could have attacked and killed him quite easily with you know the troopers that they had and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then they're just like. Oh, okay. Off he goes to go and find him. So, like, why didn't they bother to go and find him if he was only local? I have an answer for you. Okay, go hit me. Tell me. So, the reason why they didn't go after him is because Ezra had no way of the. He wasn't a threat to Thrawn, and from from what I have been reading up about Thrawn, is he won't he won't start like he he won't start the fight, but he will finish a fight. Like he won't swing first you have to, I feel like with him you have to establish yourself as a threat and for him him still being on the Chimera still having a fleet of troopers he probably looked at Ezra like eh I just need to find my way out of this particular sector once I can do that this really isn't a problem he can stay here I, <laughs> that's that's not on him it's not on me and I think that's how Thrawn looked at it but with Sabine arriving and she will go ahead and go look for him because then he's like, now I have two pawns that I can spare that cost me nothing, which were uh, Balin and, and, and mm. Shinbasi. And he's like, hey, follow her. If if you happen upon Ezra and she finds him, yeah, you know, kill them both. Cool. <laughs> he's just out of my hair. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that, to be fair. I mean, I'm I'm definitely more petty than Thrawn, because if it had been like, <laughs> this is the little shit that brought me to, got me you know, brought to another galaxy, I'm finding him straight away and killing his ass. I, just out of pure satisfaction, revenge. To be fair, I probably would have done the same. I, I, I dig the the cold calculating, like the way Thrawn moves. But yeah, I'm, I, I, I move with far too much emotion because I would have, I would have definitely been on the same vibe. Like, yeah, all right, you, you got me stranded out here. When I find you, I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to find my way out of here. But you're going to die because you caused me a whole lot of headache. <laughs> so, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I mean, I, st- I still think they miss a lot of opportunities in these series to not put in classic Star Wars lines that we get everywhere else. So, okay, mm. you know, his first line to Sabine is very much about, you know, something that he said to her, obviously, in the hologram and stuff like that. But yeah, there is opportunities here to, to put classic lines in that they've used elsewhere. Because, you know, wouldn't it have been great if, um, you know, he's there. With you know, behind Sabine, she turns around, sees him, and he just goes, "Hello there." <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think they're missing out on these grand opportunities. To be fair, but um, but so obviously that was the big reveal of episode six at the towards the end of it, and then mm-hmm. we get into episode seven, and you know, after an episode of Ahsoka without really having any Ahsoka in it, we get Ahsoka back in episode seven. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So you know they're arriving finally in um in in the, you know, this new galaxy in the mouth of a space whale, which is you know, <laughs> definitely one way to travel for sure. Um, and you know very much a, a Thrawn planned out welcome party for them in terms of you know all these mines put out there yes. waiting for them. Um, Hugh Yang obviously puts his metallic foot in his mouth, where he's like, "At least the whales are giving us some cover," and then they <laughs> fuck off. Right. Uh, <laughs> you had um, to say that, didn't you? Yeah. And then they obviously hide in these um in these in the Purgle Bone wasteland, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um 
what was really great is obviously in the previous episode, Thrawn had said, you know, I want to know everything about Asekatane. Right. I want to know, you know where she's from, her backstory, her master, everything about this. And when he's brought this this information by Morgan Elsbeth, I think it's a rare time that we see fear on the face of Thrawn because he just looks at this information. And he's like, her master was General Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And he's one of the few people that had worked with Anakin in the Clone Wars. If you're re- if you've read any of the newer Thrawn trilogy, mm-hmm. um, and he had very much worked out that Darth Vader was Anakin, right? And as far as he's aware, Anakin or Vader is still alive. He doesn't know that really, the, unless it's been communicated by Morgan Elspeth since she arrived. Right. As far as he's, you know, he doesn't know whether he's alive or dead. As far as as, as far as we've seen it, anyway. So he's like, shit, maybe Vader's come with Ahsoka to fucking stop me or something <laughs> like that. Um, and so, yeah, but I think we see genuine fear in his face that this is, you know, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. Right. And as he says, Anakin was, you know, very unpredictable and 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 had no fear and was dangerous. And he's like, so his Padawan's going to be the same. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a great little moment that we see there that he, it kind of just shows that Thrawn may be cold and calculating and full of confidence, but he he knows when to be fearful of the right people. <laughs> yep, and and this is and this is a part of what uh what makes him dangerous, right? Mm. Because the moment the moment that the ships picked up on their scanners, there's a there's another another ship approaching. There's a Jedi coming. He's like, and he immediately went to saying, "Is it Ahsoka?" And they're like, <laughs> "We don't know." Find me everything I need to know about Ahsoka Tano real quick. And the moment he does that, and this this plays into to his, his him being a I, I would I would call him a master strategist because who else would think to leave a minefield out there right where the Pergil were were going to like uh, leave out of hyperspace? Like as soon as they come out, they're right in the minefield. Boom, 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 and it's like the only space set up for them to clear out was headed towards the planet. Mm-hmm. So he may he he pretty much plotted out her course of action for her. And then she doesn't know that. But he knew that. He's like, all right, as soon as they get out of the minefield, they'll hit the planet. They're gonna do one more thing. And even when when they when she gets there and they're like, should we send another fleet out? And he's like, no. Her main goal is she's gonna try to find Ezra Bridger. Mm-hmm. Let her find him. Let her find him. So by the time she finds him and they try to make it back to us, we'll be loaded up and ready to go. We out of here. And I was like, this guy is is too smart. I I, I want to say too smart for his own good. I think he's just <laughs> too smart to be good. Like when you when you yeah. can figure things out at that at that clip as fast as he does and plan the way he does. Who can stop you? Like everything, uh, everything left for anyone else, like any opposition, is all up to chance because he's already mm-hmm. planned every move out. Even when, yeah. even when he's not, when he doesn't come out on top, he's like, "Eh, it's not a failure," because this happened. This is this is probably still important for this to happen, and we can come back and do this later. That's fine. And I'm gonna say, like, this this guy is. Uh, hmm. Well, let me ask you really quick. Would you argue that Thrawn is a better strategist than Palpatine? 
tough one, right? In a military sense, <laughs> yes. In a military sense, yes. Okay. Um, you, as we know, Palpatine was very against aliens. He was very much about you know, humans only, and you know, you don't see exactly many commanders or people higher up in in the Empire who aren't human, right? And you know, he he earned Palpatine's respect and through his ability to plan strategically and to win battles for the, and having that longer term of view rather than just seeing the battle at the end of the, at the end of his nose, he was able to, to rise through the ranks. Right. Palpatine is a master strategist. You know, yeah. he played the, he played the long game to get rid of the Jedi of all, of all people. Right. So, uh, you know, overall, I, Palpatine would still kick his ass, I think, in terms of strategy. Um, you know, Thrawn can see the long game and he could p- potentially see Palpatine's plans if he had enough time to work it out. But mm. Palpatine's playing a chess game so advanced, he, he's looking decades ahead of himself rather than, you know, a few months or a few rebel cells ahead of him like Thrawn was doing. So mm. I see what you're trying to say. I think military-wise, if Palpatine was you know, a military commander, it's a little bit different. Right. But Palpatine was playing a game so far ahead of Thrawn that in the long game, it doesn't really compare for me. Um, I should say I'm a Sidious fan, um, so that's probably a little bit biased. Um, but yeah, I think Palpatine plays the game so far longer and so far advanced that it doesn't really, no one else can really match up to that, unfortunately. You know what? I, I like that take because that, that's the one thing I couldn't put together because I, I feel like Thrawn is, is up there, but like to your point, Palpatine, Palpatine, I, I, and I was, one of my other friends was reading the uh, Darth Plagueis book. Like mm, Palpatine's book. plans for everything begin almost in that story mm. when he's learning from Plagueis. Like, yeah, absolutely. He already has mindset. I'm going to take over the universe. This is how I'm going to do it. Gets rid of his master, takes on an apprentice without his master even knowing. The, the guy, like you said, he planned light years ahead of his actual in journey and and Thrawn Thrawn I think is very good in the moment and probably right right before he needs to like he can he can he can get it done as long as as long as his troops are functioning at at the at the percentage at the at the right rate that he needs them to function at he can he can accomplish what he needs to accomplish, but mm. not like not as far out as Palpatine. I don't think. Yeah. So I I, yeah. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we um so we get this we get this moment here where you know they're trying to work out you know Hugh Young and Ahsoka where the where Sabine is on the mm-hmm. planet, um and <clears throat> Ahsoka decides she's going to reach out through the Force to her and. You know, she's successful in doing this, and Sabine gets that sort of familiar feeling that someone's reaching out to her. And it's it's been a, I think, a big contentions point in this series about whether Sabine is force sensitive or not, because there was absolutely no indication of this in Rebels. Yeah, and they seem to have almost been slightly trying to redefine who has the force or how the force can be in certain people in this series, which has probably been the most controversial point of the series itself, especially early on. Yep. Um. I've not been a fan of them trying to potentially redefine what the Force is because it's laid out pretty clearly in a lot of Star Wars, you know, how mm-hmm. you have the Force, who has it at different levels. Everyone has the, <clears throat> excuse me, or every living thing has the Force, right? but just at different levels. And it's we're taught that it doesn't really matter how hard you train. If you don't have a high midichlorian count, so to speak, right. you're not going to be able to access the Force to use it 
on the same level as say Jedi or Sith. Right, right. You know, so <clears throat> when Ahsoka takes on Sabine as as an apprentice, I always assumed it was to teach her to be more like Jedi in terms of taking that rebellious impulsive nature that she has and calming it and getting her more centered and focused within herself, which I can absolutely appreciate that taking on an apprentice to do that. But then just saying, you know, if you trained yourself really hard and had the right <clears throat> attitude and fortitude, you can learn to use the force seems a bit out of place. So this then connection that let's face it throughout this series, Ahsoka and Sabine have been a bit frosty with each other. They've not exactly been connected or don't right. seem to be deeply connected. Not the same way that Sabine is with the rest of the rebels group. So the fact that they're deeply connected enough that Ahsoka can reach out through the force and sense her. <clears throat> How are you feeling about that? So, I mean, I I will say, like, how they're trying to retcon the Force or Force users, that, eh, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how I feel about that in in its entirety. I do, like, I get, like you said, the Force is in every living thing, but to your point, levels right not yeah. everybody's not everybody can be a jedi not everybody can be a sith not everybody's gonna be able to just move a cup from one side of the table to the next you know at, at the at the very least yeah i know i've tried yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's um yeah I, I i can understand ahsoka reaching out with the force and in and feeling sabine sabine having the feeling and being able to reciprocate with the force eh, sketchy to me because if she wasn't like great at it how can mm. she just all of a sudden you know just start feeling it like that it's, it's it's almost like saying that at any given moment any one person can can raise their own metachlorine route uh level without uh without training they just have to feel it like that's that's not ex machina if, if if i've ever heard it like yeah it's just not we can't just do things <laughs> anymore yeah. so yeah if if she ends up being able to move stuff at the end of in this next episode i'm probably not going to be too happy yeah um you know, by the end of the series you know she's because it always seems to be like a traumatic event happens and they all of a sudden have access to the force and it's just yeah like, like, it's like do that Ever since the Force Awakens, like they've, they, they, I think that's where it started with them trying to like retcon Force users and the Force. Just everybody can, everybody has access to it. It's, I, I, that part I don't, I don't have too much of an issue with. But again, if if you don't go through the training, or if if your if your readout has has been stated that eh, your metachlorine level is so low you can't like lift a pebble with the force i don't think she should be able to communicate either no <laughs> like hugh yang stated it a few episodes before didn't he? he's like you know out of all the people i've i've seen if it will the younglings i've seen in the temple for the last thousand years or whatever he's like you are the least powerful one out of every <laughs> single one of them right. you know you have the least amount of force in you that's <laughs> So, it was, apart from being a fantastically brutally put down, it just should reiterate this fact that she's not force sensitive to the way that 
you know, they may perhaps keep making her out to be, especially right. when earlier in the last episode, just as Thrawn's ship was turning up, she looks like she's going to attempt to to force open the door as well. So she yeah. seems to be believing more and more that she has this ability or potentially has the ability to do so. She's focused enough and trained enough. And it's just like, I could do without this, of, of this side of it because there was no hint to it in Rebels right. at all. Like You can be trained with a lightsaber because um, I I think we've seen it plenty of times where people can be trained to use a staff or a lightsaber if you're not a force user right. and you can be proficient with it like in any weapon, especially Mandalorians. Exactly. But yeah. when you take a non-force user with a lightsaber and put them up against a force user with a lightsaber, like we see at the end of episode one when she gets fucking stabbed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I and and to to that to that end, I would say like I would I would rather much I rather much prefer Sabine rely on Mandalorian tactics mm. while using a lightsaber. You know what I mean? Like I don't. She doesn't have to be a Jedi. She doesn't yeah. have to use yeah. the force. I think. I, I I like Mandalorians as they are. Throw some Beskar armor on, give me the weapons, mm. some cool fights. It's great. The moment they pull out a lightsaber, you're just adding you're adding to that <laughs> that Mando's arsenal. Yeah. And it just makes them even more dangerous. So it's like, again, I don't need her to be a, a I don't need her to be proficient in the force. I I don't she doesn't have to be a Jedi. She can use a lightsaber all day and night. I'm for that. I, I'm for it. I would love to see a gang of Mandalorians with lightsabers. That would be <laughs> awesome, right? That'd be pretty cool. But um but yeah. So fair enough, yeah, she shouldn't be force proficient. Um I did skip past something actually at the start of this episode, which I meant to mention just uh -oh. looking at my notes on the screen. Is um obviously the start of this episode as well, we get Ahsoka in the training room yes. with hologram of, of Clone Wars Anakin walking yes. around. And this this evoked two memories for me straight away, which mm -hmm. is um in Rebels, when we see um, there's a <clears throat> an episode where we see her sitting down and she's sort of like um, meditating in the Force whilst listening to a recording of Anakin talking about lightsaber forms, mm -hmm. um, which obviously is a reflection of that. And because she's then practicing the same form, which is Form Four, as Anakin was talking about in the Rebels hologram, which is a great little callback. Then it also very much reminded me of the episode of Tales of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. um, where you know Anakin's teaching Ahsoka to to take on the clones in order to survive any kind of battle, and he's got her in the ring of yeah. uh, troopers. Yes, <clears throat> saying it very much reminded me of that sort of thing where he's teaching her. You know, you need to be able to survive anything, and I'm teaching you to survive anything. Um, so I thought those were two callbacks that really hit me. And then we see her put the hologram sort of uh, hologram disc away in a box where she's got lots of other recordings. But I don't know if you noticed in the background. Because this was a Jedi ship as well, mm -hmm. in that same same area where the the box of hologram discs were, there were a, a plenty of lightsaber hilts on the wall, um, right right there as well. Because when I watched the episode earlier on, I looked hard at it, um, and when, I didn't recognize any of the lightsaber hilts as anyone specific. But there, they weren't just like training hilts or like you know plastic hilts or anything like that. They looked all like there was a good ten to fifteen lightsaber hilts stored here so i don't know if that would mean anything or if anyone you know I'll, i generally see it a few days later on tiktok come out <laughs> someone's picked it apart and 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 we'll be able to tell us if there's anyone specifics there but it was just something i just noticed that there was all these all these different lights about it's a bit like when you've seen callbacks in some of the other shows in mm -hmm. like the training rooms in different Jedi temples, there all seems to be a plethora of different lightsaber hilts on the walls yeah. that you can pick up and use. Maybe these are like from previous fallen Jedi or 
and things like that that they keep there. But it was just a nice little thing thing that I saw. But it was good to have one last appearance of Anakin as well. Um, yeah. Because I didn't think anyone was expecting to see him again in this series. Even if it wasn't the same way, it was just a nice little cameo appearance. Yeah. And I, you know what? Honestly, I think now that we've got Ahsoka the White, <laughs> um, I think we actually might see more Anakin. Like, again, hopefully, you know, we do get a second season before an eventual movie or something like that. But I I do think we get more of Anakin just through those those training like modules, like because that it'll be it'll be almost like um like uh like Tony Stark speaking to like mm. Friday, like yeah. that that'll be her personal AI when she's in <laughs> meditation mode, and, and I I would love to see that because you get to hear we'll, we'll probably hear more gems from Anakin like even with the, the with him trainers telling her about the form that she was using, um. I honestly feel like the the part of Clone Wars that 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 gave you the memory of because it did the same for me. I think that's the actual same uh the same speech he gave her during. I I did think that, and as soon as the episode finished, I did sit and watch the Tales of the Jedi episode, and it's not unfortunately the exact same speech. It because I thought the yeah I thought the exact I literally said to my my other half I was like this is the same speech I swear to God word for word (laughs) went back and watched it and it's not unfortunately it's um it's not it's not actually close but it very much evokes the memory of it didn't it so yeah. But yeah, I, I think we get more. I think we get more of Anakin in in, in that nature, so, and oh God, I, I I, it so. would be great. I'll take it mm. every time. Yeah, or absolutely. even yeah. even if if she ends up going back to the world between worlds, and we see more of Anakin there, I I'm all for it. Give give it all to me. I'll yeah, just it. give me more Anakin. Fuck it, make an Anakin <laughs> show. Oh no, we've already talked about this. Yes. <laughs> um, but then at the very start of this episode, again, I'm backtracking now. But we get mm-hmm. this scene of um, of obviously Hera in front of the like um, the Senate committee, mm-hmm. the, the with Senator Ziono wanting to ways well, just being a dick um, and <laughs> yeah. wanting to to strip her of command. And we get this cool little cameo from C three PO. Yes, that um, was which, awesome. Yeah, which was really cool because. I think CPO is a character that people either love or hate. And when I say hate, I mean because he's just a bit camp and annoying, really. Yeah. And he's just like, he's always like <laughs> thinking he's better than like R2-D2. And R2-D2 is the real hero of the story, as we know. Um, but again, cool little cameo in there. Obviously name dropping layer in there as well. Yeah. Um, That'd have been so great if we actually had Carrie Fisher for this. Because well, I think if she just... was still alive, that would have been her cameo. Which would have been so good. Yeah, rest in but peace. yeah, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, but to, even still, C three PO, great, great little one to put in there. Yes, um, and obviously a bit more chopper in the background as well, being a bit feisty, which is always good. <laughs> He's especially a when droid. Like, especially when, yeah, especially when Ziono's like, "Are we supposed to take the word of this mere droid?" And Chopper's like, "Oi, fucker, listen, <laughs> yeah. I'm, we're not just mere droids." <laughs> oh um, man, that part yeah, was hilarious. The, yeah, it was to be fair, but yeah, good to see C three PO back. Um, would have been nice to see R two as well, but yeah, you can't get everything, I suppose. R two's yeah. off with Luke, isn't he? I guess so. Yeah. Um, Which again, I don't know how we don't get more Luke. Out of this. <laughs> I think at some point we will we'll get another cameo somewhere, but um, but then moving on this episode, we get back to Ezra and Sabine together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to skip over a little bit and go back on it again just to talk about this as a whole, but. Them obviously having a chat together, it did feel a bit because I was unsure how Ezra was going to come across, whether it was going to feel like a bit of Ezra that we got from Rebels, or whether he's completely changed in the ten years he's been away. 
Um, and it did feel like some of their interactions were like Sabine and, and Ezra from Rebels, to be fair. So that was kind of nice to have some of them in there. And then, you know, Shin and the Raiders all turn up to have this battle with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this weird moment between them where Sabine's like, hey, it's your lightsaber. You can have it back. And he's like, no, it's fine. You keep it. You've been trading. She's like, no, but it's yours. He's like, no, I gave it to you. It's yours now. He's like, I've got the force. That's all I need. And it's like, really, dude? Just take the fucking lightsaber. Right, right. <laughs> like, she's got guns and Beskar. You've got nothing, really. <laughs> um, I, I do have a slight criticism here in the fact that I felt like Ezra's fight scenes in this, in, in this episode weren't great. Right. Maybe it felt like he was either the actor himself was a little bit slow or clunky, or maybe they just didn't have an, enough time really to properly flesh out the action scene here. Yeah. But it did feel a bit a bit slow and a bit clumsy from Ezra's the, the actor doing the the fight scenes. I don't know how you felt about that, but to me it just wasn't quite there. And even the little force pushes he he, he does, it didn't feel like proper force pushes in terms of getting yeah. ready to go flying or anything like that. I I feel like. <laughs> So here's the thing. The funny part is uh, we have been talking about the moment we actually get to see Ezra Bridger. There was rumors that he was that he he fights without a lightsaber. It's supposed to be like this kind of like uh, martial arts with the force. So in my head, the moment he said, oh, it's cool. You keep it. I I don't need it. I got the force. I was expecting 100 percent some Jackie Chan. (laughs) <laughs> catching people's foot with the force and flinging them someplace and it, it did it, it wasn't that it, it was it was a, a bit of a clunky fight scene where it seemed more like it, it it seemed more like a bar fight with somebody who was like uh somewhat drunk not all the way <laughs> like he's clear on what's happening but he definitely don't have full control of all motor functions, so he's just kind of flopping mm. around. Um, it was it was cool for what it was, but I I def my expectations were were a little higher from what I thought was going to happen or how it was how I, I thought it would have looked. Um, uh, I would say in terms of the entire episode, it's passable. Um. But if if we just had to leave it as that was the only fight that we got that that episode, I may have been disappointed mm. just a little bit. Yeah, but but not bad. Um, but yeah, could have been better. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they they worked out the choreography for him to uh, to showcase like how cool this could look. You know? Yeah. No, I think that's fair. And then we get the um, the the night troopers turn up, and you know a couple of ships worth turn up. And I think this is where we we then lay to rest the theory about them being undead or zombie like troopers, because we see plenty of them killed, and yeah. no green dust or smoke comes out of any of them, like in the same way that it did with Marek. Yes. Um, so I think this is where we put to bed that these are just probably normal remnant stormtroopers left over mm-hmm. from when the when the Crimea was taken or brought here 10 years ago so it's a shame because it would have been cool to have zombie stormtroopers yeah. um, <laughs> but um but at least you know it, theoretically anyway we can put that theory to bed a little bit now we we saw it but again they they'll get their asses whooped it's like oh my god there's three two or three of them there i know two of them are technically force users and one mandalorian but right. fuck me there was like 30 of you how could you not take them out <laughs> Um, 
That's probably what annoys me a little bit sometimes. I'm like, I know the clone troopers were like experts, but it only took like a small like group of them to take out a, a Jedi. So how can thirty stormtroopers not do the job? I really don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, they got a hard time hitting the target anyway. So. Well, we know, yeah, we know about <laughs> that. Um, but then backtracking slightly to earlier in this episode is we get this bit between again between Balin and and Shin. Um, where he basically is sending her, sending her off on her own now. He's like, you know, go and kill Ezra, go and kill Sabine, take your place with Thrawn in the coming Empire. Mm-hmm. You know, my path is taking me elsewhere. And she seems a bit shocked about this and a bit upset. And he gives her some parting wisdom as well in terms of like, you know, don't don't rush to to win the battle because that will just lead to to you failing. Yeah. Um and she, from that moment on, I think for the rest of, even though she goes into her battle with Sabine and Ezra and obviously Ahsoka as well with the same conviction that she seems to have had, but she almost looks lost as well and a bit scared, especially when she seems to have been beaten at the end and you know, the troopers have been recalled and she's just stood there facing the three of them and she just looks scared and just runs off. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel a bit sorry, sorry for her in this episode in a way. Um, I don't think you know, she feels her training has been completed. And, and the way that she looked up to Baines is like this wise master and he's all of a sudden abandoned her for this, what he feels is a greater purpose. Right. Yeah, I, I got that sense from her too. And at the same time, because the entire time I was wondering, like, is this his daughter or <laughs> is this just like some random kid that he just took under his wing? Because she did have that look of, man, I'm I'm being abandoned. Because then, then right before he right before that, he was telling her, I've trained you to be more than just a Jedi. Um, and so, like, after him saying that and then telling her, hey, listen, you go on ahead. I got this other thing calling me. So I'm going to do that. You do this. That's your path. That's what it seems like you you want to accomplish. And I think there are great things for you going this way. But I got to go this other way. And like when she hears him say that, it's the look on her face. Like you said, those those eyes, very expressive. Like the look on her face was almost one of of like a father leaving his daughter or leaving his child, in in a sense of like, hey, I gotta go. I I may be back, might not. But you're gonna do great, kid. Don't worry, <laughs> you got it. You know, then the punch in the arm. Yeah. Go on, sport. Get out there. <laughs> Make something of yourself. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think she took to. I think she picked up on what he was saying, though. Right after the, uh, the stormtroopers, uh, were called back, because if if this had been a few episodes earlier, she would have stayed and continued trying to fight. Mm. When really she should have left because Thrawn had no qualms mm. leaving her or Balin's go. So her leaving now puts her back, back on the Camara, and she gets to stay on for however longer. If it's just the next episode, or we get to see her in the next season or not, she gets to stay on. And again, Balin, I, I, I hope we get something else with that character. I mean, we definitely are probably not going to get him in the second season, but. You know, whatever they decide to do with his character from from this point on, I'm very much interested in if, if they can do something with it. But I think Shinahati at this point is going to be kind of like that. Not she's she feels more like a Sith 
warrior than a dark Jedi. Hmm. Because you can tell, like, she's guided very much by her emotions. Like, even when she fights Sabine the first couple times, the moment Sabine gets an upper hand for just a second, you see her get, you stop playing with me. (laughs) You can't, you can't beat me for real, for real. And that's the, you can see it on her face. So I, I think, I think with her, we're going to see, um, she's she's going to mature a lot, I think, in the next episode. Because even her making the decision to leave, when she could have, she could have stayed and fought. Probably not Ahsoka, but definitely she probably could have stayed and and taken out Sabine or or maybe mm. maybe even Ezra, maybe. But her leaving, I think, was growth on her part. Just finding that maturity to go like, all right. I would try this, but I'm outnumbered. These guys are leaving, and I have no idea why, so let me just go follow suit. Interesting. Yeah, I guess it speaks to Ben's last words to her about, you know, not rushing to win because mm-hmm. that will make you lose, whereas I just thought she'd turn and, and ran out of fear, kind of mm-hmm. like bad guys do. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Run off with your tail between your legs and and because you need that, you know, or whether it's her wising up going, okay, against these three, this isn't a battle I can win. Right, but yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, I think as well, obviously, the obviously you've set up you know, in the last episode, Balin's character, where obviously he had his face off with Ahsoka again, um, which I think a lot of people were predicting that when they faced off again, Ahsoka would would kill him. Yeah, um, it's like you know the basically the revenge battlers that always happens that that old trope. To be fair, yeah. Um, what was interesting though is that you know again Ahsoka, as we've known her, is a very capable and very strong Jedi who I think if you put her up against a lot of people, a lot of other Jedi and lightsaber battles would come out on top. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you know she can't clearly beat this guy, and there's even the moment when obviously he catches her lightsaber and he's like, "You can't beat me," and she's like, "Maybe, but I don't need to beat you. I just need to distract you," sort of thing. Right, right. So it's interesting. This seems to be almost like you know a character that, in terms of a lightsaber battle, Ahsoka that isn't doesn't seem capable of beating for some reason. Uh, yeah, and the funny thing was, I looked at that fight, the, that second fight, and I was thinking like, I think she can beat him. I, I, I think, I think Balin, because of his first victory against her, was just overconfident overconfident in the second the second fight and i think ahsoka in the second fight was more of like yeah you know this is i can distract him for a little bit i don't have to like you know give my all for this fight because to be fair in the beginning of the series when she's uh, do we want to call her ahsoka the dark or (laughs) Ahsoka the Grey. <laughs> yeah. She's not, you, you can tell, like, she's not 100% uh, in the moment. Yeah. Her mind is, is constantly somewhere else. So she's distracted the for the first couple episodes. And then the first time she fights Balin, she's, she's, like, worried about Sabine. She's trying to make sure that, hey, if, if I don't make it, don't give him this map. Because if you do, that's it. You know, I mean, so she's got a lot going through her head than just being in the moment and focusing on this fight or just making sure that this task is handled. So when he wins, like even when he wins and he kicks her off the, the ledge, we're like, oh, man, that didn't go so well for her. But if you look at the way Balin fights, it's it's not that um, 
it's not that different from from the way Anakin fights as Vader. Yeah. It's it's a lot of mm-hmm. of straightforward and direct blows which are which are fast, hard and singular motions. Um and Ahsoka is a much more fluid style. So I think her her style requires way more movement than than Balin's or Anakin's cuz if you remember when she was fighting Anakin in the World Between Worlds, first the first round he she was completely on the defensive. There was no win for her. And you can see him kind of switch in between the strikes. He went from kind of like a Clone Wars twirly, I'm doing a lot of acrobatic things with this lightsaber into moving into a more like mm, this yeah. is this is the hard blows I'm throwing at you and they're hard enough that the recoil from the impact of of him hitting her lightsaber didn't give her enough time to react. And I think that's the way Balin fights. Like it's it's forceful blows, uh direct, like the fastest point from A to B. And mm. that that's not Ahsoka style. So I think the, the the term styles make fights was was very, very on point for this particular matchup. Uh can Ahsoka beat him? Yes, I think she very much so can. And I think if if they were fight, if they were to fight over a prolonged period of time and there was just there wasn't a way for her to fall off a cliff or out of a ring or something like that, Ahsoka wins for sure. You put them in a hallway, <laughs> Balin wins. I think Balin wins. But yeah, yeah she <sighs> I, I feel like Ahsoka's a much more evolved uh, force user to just not be able to beat Balin Skull. But again, I don't know as much about Balin Skull than I do of Ahsoka. So it's, it's, it's hard to say, but it's also, you know, kind of a thing you gotta, you, from the eye test, you go like, oh, I can see why he would think that she can't beat him. Because he, he's had success the first time out. And this time out, you're dealing with a very different Ahsoka. She's clear, level-headed. She knows exactly what she's doing. Even to the up to the moment, she goes, "Yeah, maybe," but <laughs> I don't have to. That's a clear sign. When somebody says something like that to me, it's more like, "So you're just playing around?" Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, just to wrap this episode up, obviously we get Thrawn saying that you know, he, him again thinking about the bigger picture and the longer game. He's like, we could even consider, you know. The what's happened today is a victory because you know whilst the Soka's been wasting time battling and saving the others, we've pretty much got our cargo loaded mm-hmm. and we're ready to start you know making making the trip back. Yep. So one episode to go next week. Hard to really say apart from the fact that Thrawn's pretty much I think almost guaranteed to obviously make it back to, <laughs> to the actual Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, and the heroes alongside him in some way or another as well. They'll make their own way back somehow, whether yeah. it's sneaking onto the Chimera or whether hitching a ride in um in in the wet mouth of a pergil again. <laughs> Any predictions for the final episode in terms of how this season plays out? Man, um. Or, just to throw something out there, because there's a lot to wrap up with Thrawn going back and the others going back, and then Balin looking for this alternative power that's on the planet, do we actually not get them leaving this galaxy at the end of the series, and we won't see that to the series too? Okay, so my theory for the last episode is they very much so 
leave out of that galaxy. But I think um I think what we're gonna get is we're gonna get a a time sensitive ride back for Ahsoka, Ezra and and Sabine trying to make it to the Chimera. Chimera's mm. gonna pull off. I think by the end of episode eight, Thrawn's back in the Star Wars galaxy. I I I wholeheartedly because yeah. this this season they they been they they have to fill a lot for it to just be eight episodes, and for the sheer fact that like we just we we talked about before, we got Thrawn and Ezra appearances in the same episode. So I I a hundred percent believe Thrawn gets back to the Star Wars galaxy in the end of next episode, and that's where things are going to get <laughs> nuts. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get super nuts because again, the Republic is not ready. God, don't even get me started on this shitty new Republic. They're really <laughs> pissing me off at the moment. So I, uh, I try and avoid talking about these fucking nut jobs um, <clears throat> who are just welcoming them all the fucking downfall that they possibly can. I think I said it in, the, in another episode that I'm almost glad they all fucking get blown up in episode seven. Um, really <laughs> yeah. pissed me off a little bit to that extent. So not that I wish genocide on billions of people, but good riddance to them. So that's. <laughs> And I'm also curious to see is what what's waiting for Thrawn in in the the original galaxy. Mm. Like, does he already have things set up that he's coming back to? Because again, we know at by this point, Palpatine's somewhere in Exegol because nobody knows where that's at, and he's got yeah. a crazy fleet. And what if Thrawn was just always has been his backup plan? Thrawn comes back, reestablishes the Empire. And Palpatine comes back and goes, hey, thanks for doing my job for me. <laughs> and, and just <laughs> yeah. takes over. You know what I mean? So I, I, I think that's, I think we get something close to that. Although we know Palpatine's not going to take over. But, mm. yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously we've only got a week week to find out. Less than a week. So I'm really excited to, to get to the end of this. And, um, and just see what happens. It's always a shame when a series comes to an end. I know. Um, yeah, you always want a bit more. As you said, you know, you need more Star Wars. There's never any shame in having more Star Wars. So never. But we'll, but we'll, uh, we'll certainly have to wait and see exactly what happens in uh, in next week's finale episode. But um, features, thank you so so much, buddy, for thank coming you. on this week. It has been a great chat. Um, we've been going for almost two hours. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I think this clock's in about my third longest ever episode. So. Um, I don't really care because it's fucking Star Wars, and I would chat about this for for hours if um if it wasn't for the fact that I don't think anyone would listen to me talk that long <laughs> about Star Wars. So, um, I really appreciate you coming on, buddy. Um, I I'm glad appreciate we're you for to get having together me, after the last couple of weeks. I but... know it has been a time trying to get on to it with each other, but I appreciate you for having me, man. This is uh, I'm always down to talk about Star Wars again. It's more Star Wars, always. <laughs> tell uh, tell everyone at home exactly where they can find you and and the that comic podcast online ah so you can find me at p underscore features on everything if you're looking for me on playstation network it's p underscore features 83 uh you can also find me on at that comic podcast on instagram and on i get i was about to say twitter but on x X. it's that comic pod (laughs) um but and and we're also on threads that comic podcast on the, the, on the all dead social. thing that no one uses yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but on all socials that comic podcast except for x that comic <laughs> pod um yeah nice right. i take it I take it by the 83 you're an 83 baby 
Yes. Yes, Representing I my man, I'm an 83 baby too. Yes! <laughs> but um, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I've got a... I mean, I'm going to be doing my episodes a bit differently from now on simply because for the Loki series that comes out next Friday. Yeah. Um, that's out next week. Because that comes out on a Friday, it does mean I'm changing the days that my podcast is now coming out. I normally get it out there on a Thursday or a Friday mm-hmm. after obviously you know, listening or watching an episode on a Wednesday. But because it's coming out, on a Friday, that um, means I'm not going to be doing episodes till a Monday now in, in terms of releasing them. So a bit of a change as of next week because it's going to be double feature next week. We've got the finale of Ahsoka yeah. and the opening episode of Loki Season 2 in, um, in in next week's review. So I'll be back for that with it, obviously another great guest. Nice. Um, but until then, everyone, look after yourself. And as always, the Force will be with you always.